we did very little. Like what you see on the screen is just like so much of their effort and so much of them, of our actors just being given a space to fully be themselves. And um, I'm so proud of what they did because each one of them in some way surprises the audience or takes what you think of them and just totally explodes it. Um, and that's like, as a director, like I think that's like one of the most, that's one of the funnest things you can do. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In today's episode, a Chinese-American woman tries to finish her taxes in Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert's sci-fi adventure, Everything Everywhere All at Once. When struggling laundromat owner Evelyn Wang finds out that only she can save the multiverse, she is swept into a dimension-spanning adventure as she explores the other lives she could have led. In addition to Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mr. Kwan and Mr. Scheinert's directorial credits include the feature film Swiss Army Man and an episode of the series Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Kwan and Mr. Scheinert share insight into the making of everything everywhere all at once with fellow director Destin Daniel Cretton. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Thank you for coming tonight. <sighs> Thank you, Destin, for being here. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm going to be asking you more questions than you're going to be asking us. <laughs> um, I, I, only, uh, I only moderate for movies that I really like, so I'm very happy to be here. You're not going to roast us? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was sitting in the back, and it was, it was really wonderful to hear the audience here picking up on everything from not only the kind of heartfelt moments, and I actually got pretty emotional in this screening, but also just the super weird jokes that, that, were, that the, the audience here were really picking up on. So I feel there's a, there's a connection here in the room. I want to just start by, the, by um, this, this quote from Edgar Wright, who posted this about the movie. Um, uh, that he was utterly transported by by everything, an emotional roller coaster of action, comedy, and metaphysical mind theory that hits a sugar high for its entire running time. If you complain about a lack of original films and don't see it, you are a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Edgar Wright? <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to, with, with that subject in mind, I mean, because it is so rare that we um, get to watch something like this that is uh, not, not a remake and not a Marvel movie, I'm, I'm very curious about the, seed, the, the very, very beginning seed of this idea. And I don't know, you know, some seeds are ages ago that you keep coming back to, but where, where, where was that original yeah, uh, we keep answering this question differently when people ask. And just now I was like, there's a lot of seeds 
kind of like a bagel. <laughs> but it's true that like we, we have a lot of ideas and then every once in a while like a bunch of ideas start to coalesce into something that seems like a project worth making, you know? But it's rare that there's one thing where we're like, oh, that's enough. Yeah, I'll spend years on that, you know? Um, I'm thinking a lot about this like um, Venn diagram. I'm, I'm blanking on the the term for it, but it's a, it's like a Japanese term for finding fulfillment. And it's like you have to figure out um, what you're good at, what you have what you have to offer the world, um, what you love, like what you selfishly want to do, um, what the world needs, and then what will get you paid. And like for some reason, we, I keep returning back to that whenever we like have to do a project because you know these movies you guys all know these movies take years of your life and then like on top of that the stress probably is the equivalent of even more years and so we just have to be really confident both of us together have to be really confident that we're ready to do it and so like I feel like you can almost we can almost answer the question like that where like mm-hmm. the selfish thing like the what do we want to do was like I saw The Matrix and Fight Club at the New Beverly like many years ago it was a double feature and I was like Fuck yes this this is this is at cinema, this is what I want to be making, you know? We had just done Swiss Army Man, and, like, that was a very niche, fun thing that we're really proud of, but, you know, it hit a very specific audience, and everyone else was like, what the fuck is that? And I watched The Matrix, and I was like, man, I just want to make something fun that is just, like, balls to the wall, and also we grew up on kung fu movies, and we're like, yes. So there's that. And then, like, as far as, like, what the world needed, like, one of the things about this movie is it's a straight-up reaction to what was happening uh, at the time. Like, 2016, we started writing this, and obviously you know, the world was changing and things started getting really complicated and there was just so many contradictory narratives hitting us all the time. And um, it's only gotten worse since then. You know, every single year, somehow think more things, more narratives start um, smashing into each other. Um, and so it felt like we we needed someone to just like make sense of the noise. And so we wanted to make sense of the noise by putting it into like cinematic form. And then lastly, someone offered to pay us. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good seed of an idea. When, when did you do this short film called Puppets? Good question, yeah. So our best work uh, <laughs> is called Puppets, and it's a movie where um, we explode out of these two lovers and start fighting about whether or not the love scene's going well, and then we puppeteer them to kiss each other by putting our hands in their butts. But um, it's it's actually kind of sincere by the end. It's like really sweet. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's a I mean, short film that we made in like 2011, 2012. Yeah. And uh, where were you in this, in your uh, stages of working together? Were you working together for a while? or? What, what? Yeah. We, we started doing music videos together in like 2010 and got rejected a ton that year. Um, by bands because we kept pitching bizarre things <laughs> uh, to bands that didn't need that. Um, and so then I'm just adding the math now. I think in 2011 was like our renaissance where we just like started making tons of stuff either for free or getting booked, but it was part of that year. So it was like our first big year of putting tons of stuff on Vimeo, um, which is kind of how we started. But it, it's kind of amazing that you you bring it up because I always point to that as like the moment when I realized what our, our voice was or what our tone was because while we were making it, I was like, this is going to be just 
so bizarre. No one's going to like this thing. It's like it was just a perverted fight scene. That was basically it. And then we tried to come up with an excuse to do a fight scene that, that was, starred us. That, mostly. Yeah, that was the seed. But then by the end, we accidentally made something really like sweet as well. So it was like so stupid and so sincere. And it was actually even funnier the more sincere we made it. And I was like, what is this? Why does this make me feel so many things? Why does this feel so uh, truthful to how existence feels? Um, and it was just like this thing that we. It was just us two shooting in, in the middle of um, Echo Park, like in the middle of the street. Um, and the whole budget was basically the cost of like a samurai sword and pizza. So it was like, you know, but like to me, like that was the first time where when we finished it and I watched it, I was like, I thought this was going to be a mess, but it actually is kind of moving me. And apparently, you know, we screened it at a festival and it went, it killed. And we're like, what is this? Like, we should, we should chase this, whatever this, this weird tonal mishmash is. I just, uh, you, you guys should watch it. You should look it up on Vimeo. I just watched it yesterday. I just went down like the Daniel's rabbit hole and it, it led me to puppets. And it was like, it, it is like the, the people who made that tiny short, like definitely made this movie. You know, it has, a, it, it captures like the weirdness, the pretty amazing action directing already in puppets was like pretty, Thank you. pretty yeah. incredible. The, the insane mixture of practical effects and visual effects and this unexpected heart that just kind of grabs you in the end. It was, um, anyway, puppets, great short. Good research. Wow. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I try to, do, I try to do my research. Um, how many ADs or UPMs or line producers do we have in the house? And a, a good amount. Thank you for your service. Um, I'd, I'm just wondering if any of your heads exploded when you saw the amount of <laughs> montage shots. It's just like, like wardrobe change, wardrobe change. Like I was like, how did you guys schedule? I literally want to ask a scheduling question. Yeah, let's like, do what it. What was the first scheduling meeting that you had with your AD that was like, and how did those montage shot like sequences look in the script? And how were they broken down? Totally, yeah. I wish Rodney was here. Rodney Smith was our um, our first AD, and he, you know, a couple people ran away from this project after they read the script, and he, you know, to his credit, was like calmly sat down, and was like, "This is going to be hard, but I'm so excited." So, like, Rod, Rod was. A, and I do think that was rapper. one of his biggest skills was how calm he was, you know. And like sometimes I'd be like, "We have a crazy day today," and he'd be like, "Yeah, but we're shooting for eight weeks, so." pace yourself you know like don't uh, he he really like had to fight to calm me down the first week or two but we we worked we we spent a lot of time with our line producer and rod and and the team prioritizing and just constantly telling them like i know some of these little scenes are scary but just ignore them because like if we have to do it for five dollars we'll figure out a way like and and these are the things that matter and then uh so some things like the monkeys, everyone kept asking questions about the monkeys and we were like, I don't want you to spend time and resources worrying about that, you know? Um, but the script was pretty close to this. Like, and we, so like it was written sort of in montage form because we didn't want to overshoot. So we were like, we need this moment of Rakakuni and then we're going to leave them alone. <laughs> and then we need this moment, you know? So on the day, we'd just bang those out and be like, we have seven little beats to get one shot or two shots each. Yeah, I will say that like we definitely broke all the rules for screenwriting formatting. Like like we did not give every single one a scene heading. We like because that would have been like I think you made the joke, it would have been like 30 pages of just formatting of just like the scene heading. 
But instead what we did was we just kind of just said like this universe, this universe, this universe. And then you just see like the shot, the one shot that would happen, um, which was great for the screenplay, but awful for slating. Um, <laughs> our and for slates, our script supervisor yeah, who also had a hard script, job. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Julie Schachter, uh, our script supervisor. Our slates would read like scene 93 CAB dash 2C3D. It was like <laughs> nonsense. Um, but I, I wish I had a picture of it. I'd show it to you guys. It's, it's like comical. Um, uh, yeah, what he said was was very true. We we prioritized as much as we could um, the the things that mattered, and then whenever we had a spare moment, we'd be like, Michelle, throw this on. Let's just shoot into that corner. Oh, great. Now scream. Awesome. And so, but like Michelle, to her credit, was like, this is how we used to shoot in Hong Kong. Like I wouldn't even know what the script was. They just tell me to do something, and they'd shoot it, and then I'd see it cut together. You know, a year later, um, and so she was oddly perfect for this movie because I think most other actors would have been very resistant to how much we were constantly throwing at everyone, not just the cast, but everyone. The other thing I think Rod helped us do was uh, one of the priorities was for the actors to be able to invest in the scenes. And so like we didn't shoot it, you know, out of order or we didn't shoot it the way it was going to be edited. They would, they would get to live in a scene or a character for days and days and days and then we'd just do a whole universe on a Friday, but it would, but it wasn't like on the same day they had to do a little bit of hot dog, a little bit of kung fu, you know. It was like, no, you're just at the IRS this week, um, and the last week of production was the most weird, where we were just like, okay, tons of little universes, we're running around downtown. You're, this is your childhood. Now you're in this universe. One shot, of this, you know. By the way. Uh- 39 days of shooting it's just i don't know how we did it but we have an amazing crew <laughs> i know right it's crazy yeah that does deserve an applause it was more like 43 because we did that we went out and shot some rocks right. which was really hard yeah. it was For like a, four days of rock yeah, yeah four days <laughs> of rocks i don't know if we could have done that it was like 118 degrees that day it was in the summer his shoes were literally melting off of his feet oh um it was horrible the sun was setting and we're like oh finally it's cooling down and we looked at the weather or the temperature is 108 still (laughs) it was yeah i don't think i think we would have died if we did four days of rocks um well those shots were gorgeous um speaking of michelle yo she probably deserves a round of applause right Um, here, here's a here's a quote from Michelle. I, I texted her yesterday, and she sent me this. Dan, Daniels are my evil geniuses who were surrounded by such incredible talents. We just laughed and held hands and dove into the bagel of everything with total love. Oh. That's what she wanted That's to so say sweet. to everybody. She's never even said that to us before. That's so but but I do want to talk about. Uh, working with actors, getting performances. It's not only Michelle, Stephanie, Key. I mean, everybody killed it in this movie. So uh, what what did you find um, was your role as directors in um, shepherding that? Whenever, so I'm not, I'm like a computer nerd. I'm terrible with humans. Like directing was, I did not think I was going to become a director. He, he's like the theater guy. Um, and so I, I owe so much to the Sundance Labs, the Sundance Institute, for taking us in early on with So Sorry Man. And specifically during the director's lab, um, Joan Darling, I don't know if any of you have worked with her before. She's this incredible actress, acting coach, director, writer. She's just this 
effervescent human being. But they bring her specifically <clears throat> to be the acting coach. So like they make everyone who's there for the director's labs act. Uh, and she's like, you're going to do scenes together. And then, but she has so many little truisms that have stuck in her head forever. The, um, yeah. The one that like I always think of, and, and I know every director has their own process and they have their own way of creating a, a vibe on set, which is so important. Um, but she says, you are a party host and this is your party and your only goal is to make sure everyone feels comfortable so that they can have the most fun and the, be the most themselves. You got to make sure the right people are talking to each other. If you see someone alone, you bring them into the fold, make sure everyone's fed, make sure everyone has their dietary restrictions you know, dealt with. But you are trying to basically just bring all these humans together and just like organically let them blossom into the best versions of themselves. And that has always stuck with us. And our vibe is, uh, we, we, we kind of like tweaked it and um, because we met at a summer camp. And so we're, we're summer camp counselors and this is our summer camp and we're going to have a lot so of fun. So sometimes we're pretty bossy, but yeah. Like it's just because but there's like an activity a fun way. Exactly. That, yeah. that we're doing today that they're going to, it's going to be a fun activity. We're just going to have to, you know, uh, be really specific, get in line, you know, and, and I, um. especially with a movie like this, which is so ambitious and you ask so much of everyone at the end of every single day, people are just fully used and, and exhausted. Um, and you just got to make it fun. You just got to give them something that like just lights them up. And, um, so every morning we do a, a warm up exercise like summer camp and everyone in the crew, doesn't matter who you are, you come, we come together and we, um, we, we quickly ran out of, um, exercises, but then what was really fun was then the crew members would just volunteer and be like, I want to do an exercise and they would lead the whole crew. And Jamie Lee so Curtis, what's an example one? of an exercise. Uh, we have a bunch of like classic summer camp ones. Like sometimes it's like yoga or like calisthenics, but like one morning we did, uh, like slow motion fighting, which is something I did in theater camp where like everyone's in a war with each other and you're not allowed to actually hit each other, but it's just one big slow-mo fight. (laughs) And like the goal is to do it convincingly not to win the fight. Uh, and so it was just like 50 people, uh, picking up chairs and pretending like they were gonna beat each other up. Uh, like Jamie Lee Curtis did like a, like a jazzercise aerobics class in the morning. So it was like that one day was an emotional day and it was the first time we've ever done this where like Dan did like a guided meditation. It's like even like the grips, you know, had to like sit in a chair and like do a guided meditation with us. And Dan walked the, everyone through like, like think about the thing you love most in the world. Now that's a glowing orb and now it's growing until it absorbs the people around you. And it was so great. Gosh, I want to be on this <laughs> um, set. But so anyways, that's a, that's a long-winded way of saying just like we, you know, we did very little. Like what you see on the screen is just like so much of their effort and so much of them, um, of our actors just being given a space to fully be themselves. And um, I'm so proud of what they did because each one of them in some way um, surprises the audience or takes what you think of them and just totally explodes it. Um, and that's like, as a director, like I think that's like one of the most that's one of the funnest things you can do, right? Is to, to like watch Michelle Yeoh just like stretch her being and her ability in every direction and just kill it every single time. Um, so thank you for uh, a compliment wrapped up in a question, but I, I really is just about giving them the space to grow. And we had, I don't know, we also just had the right people for the job. They made us look good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do want you to know, and maybe every director in the room to know that, creating the right space and vibe and for your actors is not nothing. I, I really think that that is 
it's everything. I think, and all your actors told me that. So I'm I'm glad that you recognize it. On to the 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 next bit of, of my questions. I love how prepared you are. It means so much. <laughs> the, yeah. These are the, you guys can feel free to pass on some of these things because um, I, stump us. Uh, Try to stump us. Well, well, I do know that when I watch this this movie twice tonight was my second time. Um, it, it is so full of magic tricks and I, you can decide whether you're going to reveal some of these tri- tricks to us or not. Um, but for instance, if you, if you look at that first montage when, when Michelle is, um, I think it was the first one when she's, when you see her grow up really fast, um, and you were planning out these montages, I still don't know, like how you shot them because anytime I see a montage I get really scared because I know how how slow the train moves and that every department head typically sees that one thing and and sees like a week work worth of work in prep to to like figure out all the things in that one line but how did you guys just take that first one. Yeah. Was that all shot in a day or was it sprinkled throughout, squeezed in? It was sprinkled and, uh, yeah, three things come to mind. One, we did a bunch of music videos with the same crew. And so like a lot of our department heads are used to the fact that like, we're going to prioritize certain things and certain things we're just going to like do it the janky way, you know? But also when we wrote it, like the first early drafts were, more unproducible (laughs) and then we and then we were like okay if we're gonna go to a alleyway that's in hong kong how many vignettes can we get there and then we like rewrote to be like okay while we're there without really moving the crew we'll get her running as a kid her running as a kid and poking her eyes out we'll get waymond and evelyn leaving uh, then her deciding not to leave, then her in the taxi, and then her not in the taxi. And like that was all within like about 20 feet of each other. So we were able to just be like, oh, we're going to use this in six different places, but we're going to shoot it in like an hour and a half. Um, and then the, the other thing, uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a wonderful breakdown for a magic trick. Yeah. That was very helpful for my brain. <laughs> These are just random things that I wrote down. Um, the you are getting fat performance of that line. Um, was it always intended to have so much emotion connected to it? Like it was, it was, a, it was su- really surprising to me how we went. That was the first time I think. In, in the film where we go from the absurd laughter to like immediate emotion mm-hmm. um, following. Are you talking about the, at the beginning or the yeah, end? The beginning. The beginning. The beginning. Yeah. Totally. I, I knew that this movie was going to kind of try to tackle the strange um, quality of having immigrant parents, especially Asian American immigrant parents, where uh, you, there's no time to talk about what you really want to talk about. And so you say things like, you're getting fat as a, as a way to say, I love you or as a way to say, I care about you. I notice you, I see you. Um, the first time I met his mom, the, we had dinner and then as she got in a taxi cab, that was what she shouted to me. Yeah. To Dan. Yeah, and yeah, I was exactly, like, Dan, yeah. are you okay? And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, uh, 
also I was like, yeah, I know. I'm getting fat. My mom was right. My mom was right. I was and I was like, fat. no, you look great. Um, but it, but it is it's like that's how they show that you, they care about you. you. They actually just like take you in and see you and 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 you know are very blunt. And so um, on the one hand, like we wanted to make sure that you know all that other stuff that leaded up to it feels like um, people who are um, so moving so quickly through the chaos of modern life that they can't see each other. And so that one moment when they finally do, they can't even like actually say that about each other. Um, and so, yeah, like we, I knew it was, it was, that that was supposed to be the pointed moment that like makes you, um, understand their relationship fully. Um, that being said, Michelle did such a great job of making that really quiet. Like she does, it's, it's so painful and so small. And it's funny because depending on the audience, um, we were just talking about this outside, um, depending on the audience, you know, like we've been doing a lot of Asian American taste making screenings where a lot of the people there, you know, really have lived this life. And that moments, you know, no one laughs because everyone understands like, oh, okay, this, there's, there's, that's, that's, um, that's raw or whatever. Whereas in some other places, people laugh at that. And then, right. and then like, I've even had people comment, be like, why are you guys fat shaming? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is, yeah, yeah. this is beyond that. Or this is like buried underneath. You know, it is fat shaming, but you know, it's buried underneath a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Michelle just, you know, she understood the assignment and she, she did such a wonderful job. Since we're, you know, at the Directors Guild and we will get in the weeds. Uh, it also makes me think about the fact that like in early edits of the, film we would test it on people and we were trying to diagnose what's kind of not working about the whole intro and that moment worked but it wasn't emotional enough to like for some people and and some people were like watching the movie and by the end of the movie being like whoa I didn't realize it was about the daughter you know like Mm -hmm. um and so we did a pickup shoot like Dan campaigned for this pickup shot and I was like I don't know if we need to get it it sounds like a lot of work um which which is joy driving like fighting back tears and that wasn't in the script and wasn't in the first cut and it was a pickup shoot and just that one shot like gave so many more people permission to like emotionally feel that moment you know and I and I was like I don't think that one shot's going to make much of a difference but I think it made a big difference I I love it I, I love it when a director admits that they were wrong by the way it's I, being in a duo. We it's common. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get very wary of directors who don't tell stories like that. Um, can you talk about how you uh, how you work with visual effects and how, because I find it pretty flawless. Like the I feel I feel like the the visual effects. Don't, don't, that, buy on, don't buy it on. Don't buy it on Blu-ray. That, don't pause ever. You, you'll see it. Well, no. Well, well, regardless, I feel like it is just woven into the aesthetic of your yep. movie. Like I never, I'm never, I never once went like, oh, I see like a blue screen. Like I just wasn't even. Mm-hmm. It, it's just everything just felt so um, connected. And so, how how do you guys? I don't know. What's your process? Thank you. Yeah, wow. um, we could talk about this a lot. The, the, literally the first time we ever did something together was me teaching him After Effects because I, I, I just bought a camera um, and he was going to teach me how to do live action stuff and I was teaching him how to do After Effects. So it's kind of a big part of what we do is figure out how to do things that we don't know how to do. Like, like, like we're so naive. We write things and we're like, 
we'll figure that out later. And we don't plan for it. And then we, we do, we kind of like, you know, we jump out of the airplane and build the parachute as we fall. Um, and so like with us, it's all about cheap tricks. We're not good at visual effects, but we've been doing it for like 10 years and we've just learned all these tricks of how to like, like what does the audience look at? Whatever they're looking at, make sure that's real or make sure that's like um, practical or, or whatever. Um, and then you can cheat in every other direction. So if, if Michelle Yeoh is barfing or whatever, make that real, but then make sure that the, the guy with the tube who's standing right behind her, we can just clean it up and no one will know. You know, it's, it's, it's all about, it's, it's the magic trick. It's the illusion. Mm -hmm. throw, throw dust in the air at the, at, and so that they're, they're not, they're dazzled, but they're not thinking about um, how we did it. Um, and it's a mix of that. And then also just like, sometimes we just, every time we do something, it's like partially practical, partially visual effects. Sometimes we cut them, intercut them in a way where you don't know which one is which. And you just kind of like get, you know, pulled into it because you don't, you, when everything is CG, then the audience knows. And when some, when you just put in a little bit of reality every now and then, it yeah. just like really, um, like it, it re rewires the brain in a weird Like way. you can, if she's holding a real dog in one shot and then she spins around a toy from Walmart, <laughs> like in the next shot, you, your brain still thinks it's a real dog because you just saw a real dog, you know? Um, and like, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of visual effects you should not pause, but, but I kind of take, I kind of take pride in that, you know, and we, and, uh, the other part of this was that we, um, we do have strong opinions about the visual effects. And when we've worked with post houses in the past, like it's hard to get time with the artist, you know, like there's a lot of middlemen and we get self-conscious about writing emails that are going to be misinterpreted. And, uh, the, that's because so many times the artists are, you know, separated in so many different cities with different houses. Yeah, it's, totally. it's, it's a very strange system that we've created in this um, industry. But also we were on a tight budget on yeah. the movie. And so we were like, we told our producers, like, we want to do this the way we did our music videos. Like we're going to have a team of friends. And the initial plan was that our team of friends was going to do most of them. And then we will outsource the hard shots, but it ended up being just, just a team of friends during the pandemic over like zoom with various, like, you know, different uh, review wow, processes. Really? And, and the, we were the all, team is like yeah. seven people who did like 550 oh shots. Oh my goodness. Are you but like, kidding me? Yeah. I guess seven people plus us. Yes. And we would, sometimes we'd be like, let me just do that one. I'd, instead of writing an email, I can just open After Effects and do it. And it'll be, save everybody time, you know? <laughs> um, and a lot of those 500 shots are like so easy because we, uh, we're just removing a wire or making a green light red, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but some of them, I'm, I was so psyched that our team pulled it off. Like all the bagel stuff, we thought we'll have to go somewhere else. And like our friends were like, I want to learn CG. And so they like, did. That is amazing. <laughs> By the way, our friends, yeah. none of them are visual effects artists. They're, I mean, they are now, but like they're all music video directors. They're music video directors like us. And we just grew up helping each other out. Like they would, they're the guys who helped us on our Tenacious D video or our Passion Pit video. Or, or on Puppets, yeah. Or on Puppets, exactly. Or, or, or Pockets, actually. Puppets, we did ourselves. Puppets was all us? Yeah, yeah. Puppets, uh, we did ourselves. Pockets but, was cool, too. Yeah, so Pockets, uh, yeah. So our video. Pockets is another great short film <laughs> about, you know, pockets, pockets. as portals. Yeah, um, but, Cool. So Zach Stoltz, the visual effects supervisor on that, um, helped us finish Pockets. And that was the first time we ever worked with him. And that was uh, 10 years ago. And so, like, these are just friends who we've just been, on, like, again, I think the through line of this movie is the only way it's possible is because we just found our people and we stuck with them. And we have a, a shorthand that makes, like, certain things 
just work that when, when they probably shouldn't. Um, it's, there's, there's an efficiency to the fact that we're all already on the same page. But yeah, the one, one last thing I'll say about it is like we knew we couldn't compete with like photorealistic via visual effects. And so we worked really hard to develop a look that felt um, like a kind of a throwback to like the old 80s stuff, but then mixed in with like uh, modern motion graphics. And because um, I, th- I thought I was going to be a motion graphic designer when I was in college. So like mm. a lot of that's still in my bones. Um, so thank you for, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like we watched Ghostbusters and we're like, it looks great. It doesn't look real, but it looks so yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, Stephen Chow stuff, like the CG is bad. Like, but it's so fun totally. and it's so yeah. well designed that it just doesn't matter. It's just like, this is so good. I really want to talk just briefly about um, Key's performance and his character, a character who who fights, who admits that that the way that he fights is through kindness and that kindness is a strategy. Kindness is a, is a, a, a way of survival. And is that rooted in a person that you know? Or, I mean, I feel like most of us have a person that we know like that. I'm just wondering where that character came from. And, I mean, you can talk a little bit about Key's, Key as a, as a performer. I mean, I, I think he kind of blew me away in this movie. Yeah, it was all improv. He just came in and he was like, here's a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> It's not one person in particular. I, I will say that like a lot of this movie was, you know, slowly. It didn't start off this way, but it slowly became this. Where um, we were just dismantling a lot of like um, stereotypes, like Asian American stereotypes that I felt trapped by growing up. Especially because a lot of the stereotypes were actually true for me. You know, like my my father's side of family did have a laundromat. You know, my mother's side has a Chinese restaurant. I did do kung fu growing up. I'm not good at math. That's the one thing. But like. <laughs> But like, you know, Asian men, Asian American men are kind of perceived as like these soft beta male you know, human beings that, you know, don't, shouldn't be taken seriously. You know, at least, you know, obviously things have changed now, but for most of my life, that's how I perceive myself through the lens of, of, of our, you know, the rest of the society. And so in some ways, like this was, this movie was about retaking all of it and and making it our own blowing it up in a way so that like, next time you, you go watch into walk into a laundromat in Chinatown it's like oh I, I see multitudes you know like how exciting would that be if that's how people just look at us now um, and so with with Wayman's character it just felt like such a beautiful um, moment to celebrate the fact that I am a soft beta male you know <laughs> like and um, I I do think that there is a there is a um, there's a time and a place for strength and there's a time and place for, for, um, for anger and all these things that I think are very popular right now. But, um, I just wanted to make one, one movie that had, that gave voice to these kind of people who just really, yeah, held the other end of the spectrum. And, and, and I think it was, like, for me, it was exactly what I needed to be working on during, you know, the past five or six years, this, this feeling that like everything was tearing apart, everything was moving in, in just, um, yeah, this very divisive environment. And I, I actually came across a tweet. I was scrolling and I came across a tweet that said, uh, empathy is not foolish. It does not mean agreement when you empathize with someone. It is uh, necessary, it's strategic, and it's like more, morally important. And I was like, I needed to, it's, it, yeah, it's a mouthful, but it was like, I needed to read that tweet. And I, I was like, I need, I need to put this in the movie. I need to figure out how to prove to myself that that is true. Cause I, cause you read that and you're like, I don't know if I can believe that. That's like, that's like Hallmark card stuff. It's like too easy. Um, so yeah, there was a challenge to ourselves to be like, can we convince ourselves that 
empathy and kindness is just as strong as all these other impulses. Yeah, which I think also came from like a little bit of guilt around the fact that we were just so excited to do a martial arts movie, but that the subtext was violence is the answer, you know, for a lot of action movies. And we were like, we can't make a movie where violence is the answer. It's like, I don't believe that. And also like just not our vibe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it kind of became a project of like, where does this go? Who are the characters? How do we make this about kindness, but still... So when we came up with, like, we call it the empathy fight, like the final fight being a a kindness fight, we were like, that's exciting. Can we pull that off? Like, I want to see someone kind people so aggressively that it feels like an action scene, but she's kinding, kinding, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, These are really good signs that you have. This one says, please rap. So the... Um, R-A-P. He wants us to rap. <laughs> I'll, I'll end with a, uh, a quote from the movie. Um, I was just looking for someone who could feel what I feel. And I'm, I think this, this movie, I think, is doing that for a lot of people. And uh, we are so grateful that it exists in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a great moderator. What a wrap. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for sticking around, y'all. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 